Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Welcome to the Coger Center Arts Roundup podcast. Our special guest this week is Sandy Rupp, the owner and director of the Hampton Three Gallery in the Greenville area. Sandy, thank you so much for talking to us. Well, thank you, Nate, for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. I've been looking at the website, which is hamptoniigallery.com. It's very right. impressive. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the gallery? I understand that it is uh, one of the oldest, if not the oldest, uh, gallery like it in the state. That's correct. It's actually the longest running gallery in the state. I think there's a gallery in Hilton Head that was started a year ahead of time, but um, this gallery has been a continuously running gallery. So it's the oldest in South Carolina in that regard. Well, Hampton Three Gallery was started in 1970, and it was started by my father, uh, Richard Rupp. He was a professor at Bob Jones University, and he was, he was uh, teaching for nine months out of the year, and he had to support his family during the summer. So he knew some of the artists at the school, and he thought, why don't we start an art gallery? There wasn't one in Greenville. And so he had this idea that he would just start an art gallery in 1970. He went to a businessman who was a realtor, and he secured a place on Wade Hampton Boulevard. Now, during, in 1970, Greenville was not booming downtown as it is now. So Wade Hampton was like a six-lane highway going to Spartanburg, and all the traffic was coming this direction. So they found a pre piece of property in, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. They started a gallery, and it was actually successful. And he decided, my father, that they were going to build a gallery instead of rent. And so they found property on Wade Hampton, and my father went and secured loans for the business. And then he found a contractor that built the property and the Hampton Three Gallery was the center of the whole center. And we had John Acorn, who was head of the art department at Clemson University, create a sculpture outside. And in 1972, we moved into our current location on Wade Hampton. So Hampton Three Gallery, means the three artists that were the original owners and started helping the gallery with my father was were Daryl Coons, Emery Bopp, and Carl Blair. And during the 70s, there was an organization called the Artist Guild in South Carolina. Artists from Charleston, Columbia, Florence, and all over were members of that guild. And they were exhibiting all throughout the South. And so the three artists that were part of Hampton Three Gallery were, were well known in the exhibition cycle. And they invited some of their friends to come and be a part of this gallery. Among those were Janet Dreskin from Greenville, South Carolina, William Halsey from Charleston, South Carolina, Leo Twiggs from Orangeburg, South Carolina, Jay Barden from Columbia, and a few others that helped to establish the core of the gallery. So throughout the 50 years, which this year is our 50th anniversary, 
we've added artists, but we've basically kept the focus on South Carolina. And to understand after World War II, there was a lot of artists that were going to remote places throughout the United States because of the GI Bill. And so people like Edmund Yajin was coming down to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. And people like Carl Blair was coming, were coming from Kansas. So it was an exciting time for arts because the GI Bill was supporting it and so forth. Art departments were being established. And that's kind of how this gallery started. And it's just kept going to this day. So when you say that you all found this land and you're in what looks like a shopping center, or in fact is a shopping center like any other shopping center in uh, this part of the world, was your father part of building the whole shopping center or just he, the gallery in that shopping center? He actually got everything together. He went around, he found a accountant that wanted an office and he secured him to come in. He had Walgreens coming in on one end, um, a frame shop on the other side of us, a beauty parlor, a barber shop. So he found numerous businesses that wanted to be a part of this center and that's how they got the loan and that's how they got the construction. This gallery was free and clear because of what my father did those years ago. So quite, quite the businessman. You know, he had a good sense for business. He really did. Yeah. So how long have you been uh, a part of the gallery? Uh, have you, is this uh, being a family business? Have you, did you grow up and, and as a part of the gallery or is your I involvement? Did. I did. My, my father, um, he, he's an interesting man. He was in many ways a Renaissance person. He would, he would preach. He would, um, he had, a, we had a small church that we actually went to in Georgia on the weekends um, that my father pastored. He would be in Shakespearean plays at the university. He loved art. And yeah, he, he was, he was a remarkable man. He had, we had art in our homes, in our, in our home. And so we never had prints on the wall. We had original work. And one time, I remember he traded an older car that he had for a painting. So art meant something to him. And so that was instilled in us, my, my sister and I growing up. So when I was in high school, you know, I would work sometimes here at the gallery. And when I got into college, I would have the gallery sometimes during the summertime. I would take my summer vacations and I would um, help out here or you know, on Saturdays and something. So it, this was a part of my life. I knew the artist and I just had this amazing education uh, through this gallery also. So I see from the website, you try to rotate exhibits uh, on a regular basis. It says sort of every six to eight weeks. Uh, do you f have any standing permanent type work or is everything in the gallery uh, for sale and then it rotates through um, with brand new every uh, cycle. Right. Everything that we have here at the gallery is for sale. The, the gallery is set up in a unique way. There's a center room and that's where the exhibitions, the rotating exhibitions happen. So a person can come into the gallery and they can see the exhibition 
Usually it's a one person show. And then they can go around the outside and they can see examples of all of the artists that we represent, that I represent. And so it's, it's, it's unique in the sense that you get to see everything, a sampling of everybody that's represented here at Hampton Free Gallery and the focus on the current show, obviously. Roughly how many artists do you represent at one time? About 30 artists. And how do you find artists? Do they, do they find you? Do you find them? Does it work both ways? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it can be an interesting process. When I started, obviously, the foundation of the gallery was already established by these South Carolina artists. So that, again, is the foundation. These artists that really developed the cultural visual history of South Carolina. I mean, uh, Halsey was considered the, the modernist of, of the South, of South Carolina. Um, Daryl Coons was talked about being the Wyeth of the South, one of the Wyeths of the South. He was compared with Wyeth. So everyone had their own unique voice, but it was established on artists that were mostly teaching and professional artists that were making a living as artists. So that has been the focus of the gallery. I support emerging artists. It's important to encourage emerging artists. I love them when they come in and having discussions, but the emerging market is not my market. It's the artist that is mid-career and beyond. And so that's been the focus all along, and that's basically what I focus on at this point. Um, and do you focus so, on finding, uh, you obviously must focus on finding uh, buyers for the art. Is, is it as important to sort of cultivate that group of people as it is to find new artists to represent? Yes, it is. But let me get back to the artist a little bit. I'm looking for artists that have unique voices. Um, when, when an artist is beginning, they're searching for how they're going to present their work, how, what they're going to say visually, what is their language. And so each artist that I have, if you look at their work, you know that it was done by that hand that artist hand. There's something just unique and special about that person. It's, it, it, it may be influenced by a historic period or whatever, but there's something personal that is unlike any other art. And so that is what I'm looking for when I invite artists to join the gallery. I can find artists through other artists. I can find artists through collectors. You need to look at this person's work, somebody will say. And I'm always willing to look. Can I represent everybody? No, and I can't. I'm only one person. And I, I, I wanna do the best that I can for each of my artists. So I have to limit myself and who I represent. But again, going back to the cultural history of South Carolina, I'm really looking at those artists that have made a huge contribution to our state. Philip Mullen is one. And that's how I got connected to you, Nate, was at the Coker Center. I saw Philip's amazing collection of work there. And I had the privilege last week of going through with Philip and understanding his development in the way he proceeded with his art and how he developed through the decades. Um, he was in the Whitney Biennial. And after we finished the tour, he sent me a visual of that piece that was in the Whitney Biennial because I was curious where had it 
come from from that period in the 1970s. So, you know, that was that was a joy to see what the Coger Center had done with Phillips' work and being able to allow Columbia to come in and look at an artist who had been very influential in, at USC and throughout not just the South, but throughout the country and what he's done. How long have you uh, been representing Philip and his work? Not very long. Uh, when you represent somebody, you don't want to encroach on somebody else's uh, territory or relationship. And Philip was represented by a private dealer here in Greenville for a long time. And so I knew that she had established a market for him. And so I didn't encroach upon that. But in recent years, that um, she's no longer doing the art exhibitions as she was. And so I had the opportunity uh, to get to know Philip a little bit better and get into the studio and really explore what he was doing. I had a client that said, I'm, I'm interested in Philip's work. Uh, could you, could you um, get some work and let me see what's going on? I said, absolutely. So I went with that client down to the studio and we had the most wonderful uh, welcoming by Philip. And to see his studio, uh, you realized immediately how serious he was about art and how professional he was and how very organized he was. It was incredible. So those are the moments as a dealer that you just relish because being in the studio and seeing where the creativity happens is one of the most intimate and exciting experiences to be with that artist and to explore that work. And so that's how it happened with Philip about, about two years ago. And so then I'm continuing that relationship. And again, the, the trip to the Coger Center was a delight also recently. I enjoyed what you said about getting to meet Philip and taking a client to see his studio. Uh, I got to do that uh, fairly recently and it was a real treat. Um, one of the things that's been interesting to me about artists is that we've had Philip Mullen paintings in the Coger Center uh, since 1990. So I've seen his work for years. However, since I've met him and was able to talk to him about his process, his history, different st style of pieces, um, getting a better idea of what to look for. I've really become a huge fan of his. So when you're putting clients and artists together, how important is it to really be able to sell the artist and their story to people in order to really, because I find that that really helps me to appreciate the artwork so much more. Is that, is that part of that process? I think as a dealer, it, it depends on the client. Uh, you have to you have to feel out the client. It's it's kind of like a, a little psychological uh, testing. Who is the client, and what are they looking for, and what what do they want? I can go and start a story about a piece, and somebody will say, "Oh, I wish you hadn't told me that." <laughs> I had one client who said, "I don't care if I ever meet the artist, but I'm going to study this person through the work." And the client bought work through all the ages of this particular artist um, working. When he did meet the artist, they were fast friends. So it, it depends. I find 
personally that I want to know as much as I can about the artist and what he's thinking and her or she and why he's doing what he's doing. But every client, every collector brings their own thoughts and their own personalities to the work. And actually to a artist, they would also say that a dialogue has to happen between that collector and the art. And if the dialogue's not there, then there hasn't been a real conversation and everybody's going to respond differently. So I think that as we're coming into a time, an uncertain time of how are we gonna move forward promoting art, it's challenging because my thing is to be one-on-one -on -one with that client and to discuss that work and to find out what that client is thinking. And I have found as an art dealer for 30 years now that I have learned as much from the client as they're learning from me because the subjectivity of art, the ambiguity of art, it's amazing what everybody brings to it. So yes, I do like to tell the story, but sometimes the story is not important. It's the visual, it's just the visual experience. Do you seek out clients specifically for certain artists? Do, you, do clients come to you looking for you to show them what you might have to sell them? Obviously, the goal of the gallery is to match buyers and sellers together and actually have the art sold. Um, that seems like such a unique process. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Uh, yeah, and every dealer is going to have their own way of doing that. I sometimes wish I were more aggressive. I find that promoting art has to deal not with just client, artist, and dealer, but also museums. And I bring a lot of effort to connecting artists to museums. And so what I have found in the decades that I've done, been here, I have gotten a lot of clients through the museum shows. Museums add another level, I think, to presenting artists. People look at it a little differently and it gives a critical view. A lot of times catalogs are done and essays are written. And I think all of that adds to the experience. I also get clients by referrals and that has been through the years with this gallery, probably one of the strongest avenues. If somebody buys a work, they tell their friends about it and they come in and so forth. And then we just, the relationships grow from there. Advertising is great if you have the money to advertise. Um, I wish that I could put all of my shows in Art in America and other uh, national magazines, but financially that's not possible. However, a lot of times you can get articles written about your artists that will go into local magazines. I know that Columbia has, I think they may, they may still have the magazine Jasper, which does a good, good job of writing for the artists. Um, magazines, newspapers, uh, television, radio, whenever you can get publicity that way, that's great. And that reach, reaches a broad audience. So as a dealer, you want everyone to come and experience it. But there's only going to be a select group that are gonna be serious collectors that are really going to explore in depth the art and then make the decision to purchase. 
so it's it's really a, a nurturing sometimes over years with clients and collections and so forth do you sell much sort of randomly to people who stumble across the gallery and come in or i really don't i'm always surprised when somebody finds me on the internet and they secure a piece of artwork so much of what i've done has just taken line upon line it's visit upon visit to somebody's house and showing them in their home and discussing it it takes time how important is it when you have a new exhibit is it to get sort of the general public to come in do you are you open for anyone to stop into those uh, like openings oh, yeah. If I'm passing through Greenville, can I just swing by the gallery and see what's there? Absolutely. Um, the openings are open. I mean, we send out invitations. I do the Instagram, I do the Facebook, and I do the email um, solicitation. And then anyone that wants to come can come. Usually during our openings, we'll have a 15, 20-minute artist talk. And a lot of my clients know that it's going to be at 7 30 8 o'clock whenever it, it's scheduled for that and they'll come and we'll actually even put out some chairs and we'll have the artists talk to the group but one of the best events that this gallery has done is called coffee and conversation and it happens on a saturday morning throughout the time the exhibit's going on and it's a very intimate conversation with the artist uh, i again put chairs around in the center gallery usually in a circle and it's just an open discussion back and forth um, anything goes and i have found that that's been one of the most refreshing and enlightening events that i've done here at the gallery and that is free and open to the public too anyone can come and what i have found is that a lot of young students uh, from Furman, from bob jones from converse and spartanburg they'll come and so they add just a, a delightful uh, element to that time. It might be their professor who's having the show and they may be showing up for class credit, but uh, they, they just are so inquisitive and they have great questions. And I also entertain special events where high school art, art classes will come and they will interact with an artist or they'll just interact with me and I'll talk about the exhibition and we'll just sit down and we'll I'll answer their questions and ask them questions and stuff like that. So that's been really good too. Um, what do you have coming up? Do you have something new that you can talk to us about? Uh, this is such a strange time that we're in uh, with um, closures uh, and reopening of the state. Um, can you tell us what people could look forward to with the gallery? Yes, I can. I'll just backtrack a little bit. The, um, the virus is hijacked so much. And we had a show of John Acorn's work. I'm sitting in this room right now looking at his sculptures. He was the head of the art department at Clemson for so many years and we couldn't have an opening. Uh, we had the show put up and we closed down the right before the opening. So I didn't know how to promote this work. And I decided that we were gonna still do coffee and conversation, but we were gonna do it with a Facebook live event. So John and I sat here in the, his room I had a friend who used my iPad and we taped the conversation with my asking John the questions and John telling his stories and talking about his work. But I also had a, a television video that was mirroring what was being videotaped. 
and people could log in from all over the United States. And so uh, John Jacks, who was head of the uh, architectural department, he was now living in Seattle. He showed up on the screen. It wasn't Zoom, but it was Facebook, and you could see his comment there. And we found out later that 400 people had viewed that video. I mean, that was incredible to me because it was the first time I tried anything like that. And I could see that I've got to get more up to speed using social media than I have been. So my next show, I decided these artists have been sheltering in place. They've been in the studio. They've been creating work. Let's feature the work that's been going on since March. And so I solicited my artist into a T. They said, absolutely. One artist, um, and again, I said most of my artists are from South Carolina. That doesn't mean that they're all living in South Carolina right now. A gentleman, Sigmund Abley's, who literally grew up in Myrtle Beach, went to school at USC, was friends with Jasper Johns. He lives in New York now. And I said, you know, Sigmund, I want a painting from you. He says, I really haven't been doing much, Sandy. And he said, but I'm going to get going and I'm gonna get you a painting. And I said, that's great. He said, I've been loving doing my garden and I'm gonna do something from the garden. And so it doesn't, didn't have to be COVID related. It just had to be something that was showing their creativity during this time. So my show that opens up July the 9th is called In Times Like These. It'll run through August. And I've asked each artist to create a video of themselves in their studio, three to five minutes, and I'll be posting all of those online along with the artwork. Physically, we will have the work here. I know a lot of places are just doing virtual shows. So we are open for individuals to come in, just not huge groups. So people can wander in and come see. They'll also be able to see it online. So I'm kind of excited about uh, doing this and promoting it. And that's a learning curve for me. And that's, that's good. <laughs> that's very good. So is one of the silver linings of this closure that we've all been dealing with the fact that you were open to the idea that if you did something virtual that people might be able to see it who couldn't stop by the gallery in person? We've seen this with uh, several other things. Uh, for instance, Columbia Museum of Art here in Columbia um, did a virtual uh, museum from home and they've realized that this has allowed them to really reach people who aren't here in the Columbia area and they're going to try to keep more of a virtual presence in order to do further outreach. Is that something with the success of this one coffee sort of conversation you had, something that you think you might be doing going forward on a regular Absol basis? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, like I said, it's a learning curve, uh, but I'm telling you, it's, it's, you're right. We can reach many, many more people. And so we need to just go that direction and not to negate personally interacting with the artwork, but if it can be a vehicle to direct people to the art, uh, hopefully the hand will still be important. Our gallery is all about the hand and what the hand has created. And so I don't wanna lose that, but if the virtual media and all of this can drive people there, absolutely, it's a plus. Is there anything else you'd like us to know about you or the gallery that you think people should know? I just appreciate being able to share and your, your consideration of uh, letting me talk about art with you. So, and I appreciate that, Nate, and, uh, and best to you all too at the Cover Center.
Th thank you so much. It's, it's a very impressive gallery and a very impressive collection of artists. Once again, the website is hamptoniigallery.com. Uh, we've been talking with Sandy Rupp, who is the owner and director of the Hampton Three Gallery uh, just outside of Greenville. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Best of luck with the new gallery show coming up. And uh, please feel free to stop by the Poker Center anytime uh, you're in town. Our, we have the permanent collection of Philip Mullen on the wall. Uh, and we, of course, have the temporary collection of Philip Mullen up, which we put up the very day that we close to the public. But we're excited that in August, people will be able to come see it. And then that temporary space will, uh, in the future, turn over into lots of things. So we're, we're also trying to get local artists some exposure. Uh, Philip obviously doesn't really need us um, in the same way, but we really appreciate him coming to us because it's a really great boon for us to have his new work up. But it's been great to meet local artists again and get their work up in front of people um, because we have a lot of people who walk through the building attending performances and it's really nice to give them some additional art uh, as a part of the experience of being in the building. So we welcome you anytime. And Nate, may I mention just one more thing in closing? Um, Philip uh, was nominated this year for the Werner Award. And because of everything, they did not have a, a ceremony as they would normally do. But when the nomination went in, it was it, he was nominated for individual artists and they looked at all of what he had done. And he's receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award with the Burner Award. And congratulations to Philip. He's very deserving. And we hope that there will be, we know that there'll be something virtually done. But anyway, he has contributed greatly to USC, Columbia, South Carolina, and beyond. And so and that is the grateful for him. That's the South Carolina Art Commission Award. Correct. He's receiving it for lifetime achievement and very well deserved indeed. Yes, absolutely. And if anybody wants to get in touch with the gallery, they can go to my website. There's a contact. Um, there and I'd love to put them on the mailing list and I can send out emails for what's going on here too. So thank you so much Nate for this opportunity. Our pleasure. Thank you for joining us. The Coker Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit garnetmedia.org.